heavenly meteorite hurtling, unseen but deeply felt, if never fully realized by those who've never knelt. The tremors they ripple across all time, the poets at last can find their rhyme, heavenly meteorite hurtling. Heavenly meteorite hurtling, as usual, but all amiss. History stripped of how it was, to how from now it is. The radical revolution all a shudder. Old ways surrender to a brand new other. Heavenly meteorite hurtling. Heavenly meteorite hurtling. Unnoticed, but all askew. Thrones thrown out of kilter as the meek inherit what's new. The repercussions spin out forever. Imaginers threading peace back together. Heavenly meteorite hurtling. I've told you before that in 1986 at Christmas, I was in the pulpit at First Antrim. I'm right there now in my imagination. And I remember sitting there thinking, 40 more of these to go before I retire. The same old message every Christmas Sunday. 40 more to go. But like that first GB display where you say, 15 more ribbons dancing before the girls leave. And yet now... There's 13 left. Where did those 27 years go? And I can't get enough of this Sunday. So many incredible things in this nativity story. Just in the passage that Janet read, if you don't read the rest of it, that would keep a minister going for 40 years every Sunday. And I am chairman of... Christmas is for all the year round. I'm secretary and all the members as well of that secret little society that meets in the months. But I really believe, like wizard, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Because this story is so incredible. The meteorite that I imagine, the heavenly meteorite, hurtles for me in two directions. Excuse me. One of them is, as I say in the lines, a heavenly meteorite hurtling. That this image of a baby in straw, so gentle. I was with our latest little delivery this week, Megan uh, Megan Rose Kelly, and tiny, tiny, lying there like they do, in straw. The image that all of heaven's glory hurtled out of heaven and landed in this soft straw in that most caressing of ways is an incredible idea. Like all of God's glory, omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience was almost put into this little flesh and bones semtex and hurtled down through all of the cosmos to land gently in this straw. That's one of those crazy images that I have of this baby landing in the straw. The other comes from Genesis chapter 3 and hurtles all the way down through history. 
something that God said about smiting heels and all of that with the serpent and the offspring of the woman. All of the Old Testament is like this little rocket that comes from Genesis chapter 3 and boom into Luke chapter 1. So let's, in reasonably creative and more devotional than sermonic ways, let's CSI this scene. Crime scene investigation. Crime scene investigation. Of an evening when the stockmen's are chilling and nobody wants me to see the football. We will flick through the channels to Miami or New York or Las Vegas for a bit of CSI. So let's CSI. Let's put a wee bit of tape across this scene and have a wee look. First thing I'm going to tell you to shatter all your dreams. There ain't no stable. There just ain't no stable. Sorry, guys, there ain't no stable. Did you think there was a stable? Did you think that was a biblical idea? Maybe this Christmas read the text. No stable. No animals. And in fact, this week on Facebook, the expert in New Testament that is Gary Burnett sent us round the definitive article. Which actually wasn't as definitive as we thought because again we should read the text. Did you read the text today? Did you listen as Janet read? Because there was no guest room available for them. There was no guest room available for them. The word that we used to put as in didn't mean in. He went back to the family town. And if you get back to the family town, no matter how long it has been since you left, especially if there's a census in the area, there's going to be some family that's going to be able to put you up, especially if you're pregnant. So the New Testament theologians believe that there was no guest room in the house for them. They had to actually sleep with the family themselves because the houses would have a little guest room out the back and it was so full of other members of the family that the word became flesh and moved into the center. Not in some stable away out there. It's, you just think about it, it's wrong. But right there in the family situation. CSI never got so controversial on a Christmas Sunday morning. But that's not the point. Let's look at the point. Let's CSI a few of the characters and get forensics down for the last little thought. Mary. Mary. We note. We note to all self and church. The women are there at the start and the women are there at the end. Without women, no nativity, nobody there to check that the body had gone. Say what you like in your theologies, but women seem pretty central to this Christian story.
Mary first. Dave has sung that song that I love so much that he wrote a few Christmases ago. And it's great because it gives the Mary that's living through it, not the Mary that we look back on. Because the Mary living through it could see no statues. No Navinas and Clonard. She was going, what are the family going to say? What is the village going to say? What is Joseph going to say? And what is this all about? Because there's something about this that's incredibly joyous. And there's something about this that I'm going to be nervous about for the rest of my life. To follow God's will for her life took courage, commitment, and giving, offering all of ourselves. That was Mary's story. To go back to Thompson, the talented swine. And that song that he was singing. There was nothing promised that is easily imagined. Angel comes, baby, never been with a man. Not easily imagined. And questions of the future leave me puzzled and concerned. I don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. I know his love and love him in return. I know his love. I know his love and love him in return. How does she love him in return? By giving Everything. And my senses overwhelm me when I estimate his majesty. Every fiber of my being joins with all creation singing. Songs of how the weak are lifted up. Songs that tell the richness of his love. And we'll come back to that love again in our last hymn and choral. But Thompson doesn't leave it there, the swine. In his brand new release, Newsprint Sky which is the most amazing Christmas present that you could give. Because in buying it off him this morning, you not only buy a great album that three of the songs at least are three of my favorite and most meditative songs of the year, but you give money to the building fund. You can't get a better present than that. It's ethical, it's musical, it's spiritual, it's Thompson. And that album is a song called Dear Theo which was written for our Gospel According to Van Gogh night that Jonathan did. It is, I've been listening to this song, every line of this song, I, as you can tell this morning, I try now and again to rhyme a few lines, but this, there's about 20 poems in this one song. You can tell I'm angry with the boy. He's too good. But in the midst of it, he takes a bit of Frederick Beekner and twists it to this. And this is <clears throat> Van Gogh writing to his brother Theo, Via Dave Thompson. Doesn't get any spookier than that. This is my calling and my creed. This is my gift and deepest need. Where I am at my most complete. Where earth and heaven's best intentions meet. This is my calling and my creed. This is my gift and deepest need. Where I am at my most complete. Where earth and heaven's best intentions meet. Van Gogh to his brother Theo via Beekner and Thompson. But how accurate on Mary's story in the nativity. This was her calling. This was her creed. 
This was the gift that she was giving the world. This was the deepest need that she had in life to serve her God. This is where she became most complete. The reason that she was born is fulfilled in this nativity story. Where earth and heaven's best intentions meet. Where the heavenly meteorite hurtling hits the straw. And us? Where is our gift? Where is our calling and creed? What makes us most complete? What is it in our lives? Where is it in our lives that earth and heaven's best intentions meet? What is God's calling on me? And if we go back to the other song, it might be scary, dangerous, frightening. But do I know his love? And will I love him in return? Even if, even if, in heaven I'm seen as blessed, but on earth I'm cursed for following in that crazy way? Cursed for the life that's befallen you, Mary, blessed among women. Cursed for what neighbors are calling you, Mary, blessed among women. Cursed that no one will believe in you, Mary, cursed among women. Cursed that holy men grieve for you, Mary, blessed among women. Blessed for giving back to God all that God had given you. Blessed that you, no matter what, did all that he asked you to. Blessed by ending up in doing what you were born to do. Blessed for giving back to God all that God had given you. Cursed by what your future serves, Mary, blessed among women. Cursed for always living on nerves, Mary, blessed among women. Cursed that you would suffer loss, Mary, blessed among women. Cursed by the shadow of that cross, Mary, blessed among women. Blessed for giving back to God all that God had given you. Blessed, blessed that you, no matter what, did all that he asked you to. Blessed by ending up doing what you were born to do. Blessed for giving back to God all that God had given you. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she 
who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is a lovely wee bit of scripture. Mary is told this incredibly mad, crazy thing. She's not sure about it, as Dave's song was saying. She could hardly take it in. And it's not easy to just go out and say, Mummy, Daddy, village, an angel's just appeared. I'm pregnant. What do you, how do you deal with that? Where do you go with that? When God asks you to do something, and it's not easy to tell people what God has asked you to do, or whether they'll understand what he wants you to do, or whatever it is, what do you do? Where do you find solace? Where do you find encouragement? What do you do with God's calling on your life? Mary headed off to Elizabeth, another woman. And it's with Elizabeth that she finds the solace. It's with Elizabeth that she finds the encouragement and the strength to carry on. Elizabeth is so crucial in the story. Filled with the Holy Spirit, in fact, to deal with what she has to deal with. And so in our CSI investigation at the moment, let me ask you, who is your Elizabeth? Where do you go when you're thinking, I think God's got a calling in my life. I think I'm going to need to do that. But I don't know how they're going to take it. Who is your Elizabeth? I thank God for many Elizabeths in here. I thank God for Janice Elizabeth in the months. But who is your Elizabeth? And who are you Elizabeth to? We all need Elizabeths. Who are you Elizabeth to? Who are you available to when somebody needs to share, offload, question, wrestle, ask what God's doing in their life? Where do you run in the madness of this vision? When reality is dawning at the cost of your decision. When the family turns and no one understands. Where do you run for the welcome hand? Who is your Elizabeth? And who are you Elizabeth to? When the world is closing in on what you know is true. Will we be the hillside? The candle in the door? Lighting up the journey to so much more. Will we be the shelter in the doubting gale? A calm to all the clamour and hear what's real. Some take the lead. The hit and the glory. Some are unknown. But the spine of the story. She humbled her soul. Tuned her heart. To hold it together. To play her part. Who is your Elizabeth? And who are you Elizabeth to when the world is closing in on what you know is true? It was an ordinary night 
Nothing startling. Very few beasts around, actually. I was just saying to some of the other shepherds, I was just saying, how enjoyable is a quiet night when suddenly the sky was on fire. Brighter than shooting stars. Whiter and brighter than the whitest lightning. And this was no flash. It just remained there. I've never been so terrified, so transfixed, so afraid. Just as I thought it was the judgment of God, I heard a voice and realized that it was an angel and a whole host of angels behind him. It was the most beautiful thing that we would ever have the privilege of seeing, but we were far too frightened to benefit. Don't be afraid. I've come to bring you good news of great joy. (laughs) Wasn't what I was thinking at that point, I have to say. Today in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Glory be on high. Well, those were the first words actually that came anywhere near expressing it. The angels then took center stage and sang, incredible, peace on earth. And goodwill to all men on whom his favor rests. The night was quiet again. So still. So dark. Yet my heart wasn't. It was still as bright as the angels. Still ringing with those words in my ears. Savior is born. Peace on earth. We raced off in response to what we had heard. Glory be on high. This Christmas as I've spent time in this whole nativity scene. It's those words that have really caught my attention. Those words that were read to us today. These shepherds living out in the fields and all this happens to them. And then it tells us, it tells us. Let me get it. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Let's go and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. That the Lord has told us about. What has the Lord told us about in 2013? What has God been saying to us as a congregation As a city, as a country, as individuals. Maybe not angels in the sky. But over the year, have there been things that have just niggled away at us? Calling on our lives. Questions about what we're given. What has he told us? What has God been trying to whisper to us? Jonathan and I don't have the ego to think it was during the sermons on Sunday. It may have been, but there's so many other places in our own readings and devotions and our family lives and conversations we've had. What is it that God has been saying to us, revealing to us? What truths, what things is it that he knows we need to hear? I say that very generally because for each of us, those could be very different. For us as a collective, it seems to me that 2013 was the year that God very clearly told us that there was more to do around here. 
Let's build. Let's reach out. Let's put Jesus in the doorstep. That's one of the things he's told us as a community. But individually, what are the things that he's been saying to us? And the question this Christmas, how do we respond as the shepherds responded? How do we respond as they responded? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They were off and running. They were responding immediately to what the Lord had told them about. But let's get back to the straw. Because I think the straw, whether there's a stable there or not, is right in there. As do the New Testament theologians. A manger. Apparently, now this is a wee bit of confusion I have to say about this. But apparently, if you're in that room and you have a baby and everybody else is in the room and there's not much room, you might have found somewhere just out in the back of the room of the main bit of the house where there'd be a wee manger where you could lay a newborn baby in the straw. In the straw. In the straw. So the meteorite hurtled through the cosmos. The meteorite has hurtled all the way through the history of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And they have laid the baby in the straw. Now you see, I couldn't get away this year. I told you, I said, 40 years of the same thing. Every year I'm learning more things. I couldn't get away this year as I pondered all of this for the last... 22 days and blogged every morning from 1 Corinthians 3. If anyone builds in this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Now, I'm reading into this like I read into you two songs. But there's something about the image that I don't think we can get away from. God, everything in the universe that is God, has landed in a little mix of straw. Everything that is God, all the gifts of heaven, all the redemption earth needs, is now lying on this straw in the midst, moved into the neighborhood. The word becomes flesh and moves in. What does it move into? Is this a symbol of the things that we live our lives for? That we need God's heavenly meteorite to hurtle in and just gently, patiently, graciously, mercifully redeem. What is the straw in our lives? What are the things we're living for that will burn up? What do we put all our ambition into? What do we get up in the morning to do? What do we go to bed at night thinking about getting up in the morning to do? What are the dreams that we have? What are we investing every sinew of our existence on? Is it dull dreams that the world has thrown at us? Is it distractions from the eternal? Is it momentary straw? Will it be gone when our coffin sits here? God, eternity, 
love, grace, redemption landed in the straw to change our lives from the moment to the eternal. Adam and Eve reached to become greater than they were meant to be. That's what they thought. And they grabbed the straw of a taste, of a temptation. And they ended up less than they were designed to be. And the baby lands in the straw of our lives to redeem us to what we have the potential to be all over again. In the straw of our fouled, fallen feelings. In the straw of our dim, dumb, distracting dreams. In the straw of our wasted, wily wealth. In the straw of our shame-stained self-indulgence. In the straw. In the straw. God's definitive interruption. Heaven's eternal song of hope. Earth's last word on redemption. Grace's love gift lavishly laid in the straw. Let us pray. Lord, winnow our lives, toss it in the air and blow out the straw and leave us with what landed that first Christmas morning in the straw. Your interruption, your hope, your redemption, your grace lavishly given. Instead of those lives of straw, Lord, may we be like Mary, prepared to be cursed on earth, to be blessed in eternity, giving our lives to the calling and creed that makes us complete. May we be Elizabeth to those around us who need somewhere to go to share what God is calling them to do, And may we find Elizabeth's as 2014 whispers to us about the things that we should do for God when God will have to say constantly, do not be afraid, follow me. And may we be like the shepherds, not hearing all of this incredible truth, not knowing all this incredible truth, not singing and praying about this incredible truth in a community that believes in this incredible truth and then just sitting around with lives of straw, but responding by immediately heading off to find out what it is that God has told us about. Lord, as we end one year and we move into the next, we ask that you would give us our calling and our creed that you would make us complete in you and that our lives next year would be that place where earth and heaven's
best intentions meet. Like Mary, we give ourselves to you. Give us the courage to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.